being your best is not being better than everybody else. Like being your best is you versus yourself and, and what your potential is. So, you know, my best and your best are going to be two different levels. Welcome to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. Successful leaders make building healthy culture a priority. Meet other leaders who are building a culture where people want to stay and know how to win together. Hey leaders, welcome back to the Build Your Culture Brand podcast. I have with me today Daniel Trotter from Phoenix, Arizona, Scottsdale 101. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thanks, Jay. It's great to be with you. Daniel, I, you know, you've been at your location now for about 14 years. And one interesting tidbit, I just learned that you actually were the interim manager at your location a few months before you became the operator. We're, we're going to get into your story in just a minute, but that, I just thought that was kind of fascinating. Um, we've got some exciting topics. I know you're, you're leading in drive through your top 5% in CEMs. I want to, want to find out some uh, thoughts about how, how you've gotten there, but kind of getting to know you a little bit better. I want to ask this. It, it's a question we use to find out your strengths and weaknesses as a leader. What would you say would be a a leadership superpower. I mean, you don't wear a cape, but you know, if if you if your team were talking about you, what would they celebrate as one of your leadership strengths? I think my team would tell you that I'm pretty engaged with them, um, pretty pretty passionate about um, helping them succeed at their role and what they're doing, um, and and I'm in the mix with them every day. If I'm in if if I'm in the building, we are all working together, helping customers during those peak periods. And we've just kind of set that as a, as a culture piece that, you know, nobody's really sitting in the office or, you know, having these meetings that nobody knows what they're talking about. We're, we're usually in the fight together. I, I bet that's really helpful right now because you have a neighbor that's closed and you're 40 plus percent up in sales. So I, I'm sure it's a kind of all hands on deck uh, situation right now. Sounds like. What uh, what would be a leadership weakness? Uh, your kryptonite in as a leader? Yeah, I think sometimes um, sometimes I can want to move too fast, and I miss the little details and the nuances of what we're doing. Um, and so I really have to be careful about how quickly I want to move. And I've got some people in the organization that are that are really good at the details. I think you know Kevin. Uh, Kevin's really good uh, at the details and helping helping make sure that we have a well thought out plan before we start start making a whole bunch of changes. That's good. And so you surround, you know, understanding where that, that that's an important part of being a leader, right? Knowing where you're you have some strengths, but also knowing where your gaps are and maybe fill in some of those gaps with the leaders around you. And I know you and Kevin work together and have worked together closely for uh, quite a while, several years, uh, longer than I've been associated with your team, uh, but not longer maybe than I've known you. We met um, actually on a on a business project in India. You were there. Uh, I think you came along with Bruce Ploser and uh, we got to meet theirs. Really, you did a phenomenal job with our team there teaching about leadership. And so that's kind of where I got to know you, but glad to get to work with your team now. So Daniel, long before we met, you were, uh, have been in Chick-fil-A for quite a while. And I'm curious to know, I know you'd worked some with, uh, 
one of the other operators. And you'll, I want you to share about that story about Kevin. So how did you get kind of started with Chick-fil-A? What was that uh, entrance story with you and, and your Chick-fil-A journey? Yeah. So when I was turning 16, uh, I can remember one night my, my dad kind of came in and said, Hey, um, we're going to start looking for a car for you and your brother to share. I've got a brother that's 14 months older than me. Um, but I'm not paying for gas and insurance. And, uh, I think that was his way of saying, Hey, go get a job. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And so I remember going around town looking for a job. I did not want to work in food at all. That was the last place I wanted to work. So I was applying at movie theaters, sporting goods stores. Uh, this was in 2001 and uh, I could not find anywhere to get hired. And I had a friend at school who said, hey, I work at Chick-fil-A. It's fun. We've got a good group of people. Why don't you just give it a shot? And so I reluctantly said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I went and interviewed, um, got hired and, um, walked into Chick-fil-A and, and honestly just enjoyed the work, enjoyed the pace, the environment, um, all that kind of stuff, you know, as a, as a 16 year old kid. And, um, and that was, that was my start. And that was at, uh, Kevin Williams in Canton, Georgia. That was at his first location. He has three now. Uh, but that was at his first location way back when. Oh my goodness. So, um, shout out to Kevin Williams, incredible operator there in Kenton. And, uh, so he, and Kevin has his own, we'll have to get him on the show sometime and hear about his story. He's got his own incredible journey with Chick-fil-A too. You know, you and I were talking a while ago about, uh, I was telling you about a, one of my operator friends that has one of the old cows from a billboard and he was able to secure that and he has it in there in their entrance to their office. That's always just a cool site. But you were saying Kevin has a couple of cows. What, what does he do with those? Yeah. So he's got, he's got like a little farm and it's an incredible story uh, of the farm that, that he needs to tell you. Uh, but there's some wooded areas and there's, there's some billboard cows out there in the woods and you can see them looking, looking out back the, uh, at the farm from the farmhouse and, <laughs> Uh, it's just a real, real unique little setup. That's awesome. I have to, I'd love to see a picture of that sometime. So, um, but what was it that, so, you know, you kind of had this resistance at, you know, in, in your own thinking about working in a food environment, a service environment like that. Um, what kept you in now here you are an operator. Um, what was that turning point for you? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I, I really enjoyed the environment and the work and the people I worked with, um, at Kevin's store. And so I went to college pretty, pretty close to where the restaurant was. So I was, I was able to stay working for Kevin through college. And when I was in, in college one day, I was, I was at work and I get a phone call, um, in the morning that my dad had just had a heart attack. And so I leave work and uh, go to the hospital and find out that, that he didn't survive the, the heart attack. And through that, you know, obviously that was a traumatic experience for our family. Uh, but, but through that, um, I saw how Kevin and some different people at, at Kevin's restaurant were the ones that 
rallied around me and kind of stuck with me uh, through that. You know, Kevin was the first one to bring a meal to our home. Um, and, and he just really loved me and cared for me through that. And I think that was, I always had like indications that maybe there was a career there for me, but that was when I was like, yeah, this is, this is where I'm going. This is, this isn't chicken. This is people. This is, um, you know, I was, I was a dumb college kid. And so I, I kind of look at it as two roads, you know, when, when something like that happens, there's two paths I could have traveled. And Kevin was, was one of those people that, that uh, kept guiding me through that season to, to make sure that I was in a good place. My goodness. What a incredibly challenging story. And uh, what, what a tribute to, I mean, not only your father, you know, and, and really just even that story of him, you know, inspiring you to, to get a job and, and, and I know there's so much more you could tell about him, but even just for someone to be there right at that moment, um, that's a, a tribute to his leadership and his care for you. I know right now Chick-fil-A's aim is to be the most caring company in the world. And it seems like moments like that really, really help shine, you know, what, what they're trying to do and what leaders like Kevin are trying to do. And, uh, I've seen you exhibit that yourself toward your team and just uh, showing that kind of care as well. So what a powerful story. Well, Kevin has been, been a big, uh, part of our family for, for a long time. Uh, you know, we fast forward here 17, 18 years later, my mom works for him now. Oh my. Um, doing, doing some different things for him now. So that's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. Good deal. All right. Well, Kevin, uh, I'm, I'm shouting out to you right now. I, I want to invite you to come join the show sometime. I want to hear more of your story. So we'll reach out to him. So Daniel, you know that I can imagine, I can't imagine really, I'm not even able to imagine the, the difficulty that you went through at that time. And and I know you've walked with your own team, your own team members through traumatic events, but also just life challenges, just daily life. And one of the one things I've noticed about you is you, you look at them and you're looking for them to be healthy. And part of that health is an intentionality about allowing them time to process. And so what are some, if as leaders, leaders listening to this podcast, what might you offer as some best practices for making sure your leaders have ways to process and time to process life as it happens. Yeah. So, um, I think it, I think it starts with the foundation of trust and they have to, they have to have a trust for me that as they're processing and maybe, maybe some of the ugly comes out during processing, like it does a lot of times, that I don't respond to that immediately, you know, understanding that, that we're all going through a cycle and um, allowing them to get that out. Cause I find more, more often than not, most people can get to a good place with just a small tip or two um, versus trying to tell them where they should be or how they should be feeling about it. Uh, Cause they're, you know, the way, the way you feel is valid. And um, sometimes you have to fight your flesh on that. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think trust that I'm there for them and I'm not going to, you know, pop off at them because they, they say the wrong thing or they have the wrong action. And, 
in a moment of being upset. Wow. What? Well, yeah, I can imagine that. You know, it would be easy to to be reactive in those moments, especially if it seems too far, like they took a step too far. But to give them that freedom, knowing it sounds like you you just have this suspicion that if I let this, you know, if I, this is a momentary thing, if if I let this readjust back to more of a, a normal, that's the place where we can really grow. And, and I'm going to let this, uh, let this pass. I think that's incredible advice for leaders, um, especially leaders who typically are quick to react. And so, and I see you as a pretty fast paced leader, but it sounds like in those moments you're, you're pausing just a bit. So good, good advice. I um, too. <laughs> How does this play out if you if you do that you know you've done that with your leaders what are the how do you reap the benefit of those moments well i think it's i think it's more about allowing them to grow through it because uh, i think naturally when your boss is uh telling you to do something you want to conform because you want to be a good teammate a good team member but if you're if you're heart and your behavior aren't moving at the same speed, then there's always that disconnect. So I, so I feel like when, when you're able to get there on your own, you're moving your heart with your behavior and it creates growth and change. And, um, you know, those, those things you look back on and say, yeah, I didn't handle that. Right. But here's, here's what I learned from it. I love that. Okay. Hang on. If your heart and your behavior are not moving at the same speed that that creates a mm -hmm. dissonance. So you're allowing time for those to get synced back up because this is an emotional moment. Things are out of sorts and you, you know, it's going to merge back together. So what are, so when you say heart, what, what's inside of heart and what's, how do you distinguish heart and behavior? Yeah, well, I mean, I think your behavior is, is a byproduct of what's bottled up inside of you. And, and so I think, I think natural tendencies is you want to change behavior. And so if you really want to change behavior, it's got to start with, with the heart. And so, um, you know, if somebody's upset about something and, you know, we kind of swing that pendulum to get them out of the upset phase, but their heart never moves out of the upset phase, they're just trying to mask it, then you get right back to where you were pretty quickly. If we react in those moments on their behavior and they are, there is kind of a mask environment. It's almost like you're, you're fixing the mask in that moment. You're, you're forcing them to put on a new, a, another mask to cover up their heart. And so you're basically by responding in this way and, and helping them match their heart to their behavior, you're helping them be real. And man, uh, yeah, this is good stuff. So what, how, how's that played out in your relationship with your leaders? Well, I think it, I think it builds um, community. It builds relationship. You know, Chick-fil-A has the core value of being better together. And sometimes I, I think we don't fully know what that means. Uh, but if we're really going to be better together, we have to know each other deeply um, you know, know, know the nuances, know the quirks, know the, 
the strengths, know the, know the things that are maybe a little tougher for some people. Um, and, and understand that none of us are, are the perfect leader. Like that, that person doesn't exist out there. So we're all going to fall short. Um, but those, those shortcomings are just areas to grow and, and not only grow at Chick-fil-A and as a leader, but just to grow in life in general, be a better person. Have you noticed that your leaders also have learned to respond that way with you when your heart and your behavior aren't running at the same speed, as you say, have, have they been able to turn that kind of response back to you where it's been positive? Yeah. So it's, it's really kind of funny. They've, they've got their, uh, things that they like to poke fun at me about when I get, when I start getting upset <laughs> about something, uh, sure. they, they, they like to, they like to, uh, remind me of that and remind me, you know, I think what, one of the big things in our business is call outs. And I, I think we all deal with that. And, uh, I can, I can get upset about those a lot of times and, uh, they, they have to remind me of just stay out of it. It's not your, this isn't your battle to fight. We've got this under control. You just need to stay out of it. That's not, not your lane to run in and, you know, w focus on what's really important. That's good. That I, I, you know, a lot of times ownership, that idea pops up in leadership conversations. And I think that's another fascinating aspect of ownership. What you described is you're, you're emotionally connected to that, the thing that's happening in the business that you're not actually holding responsive. I mean, it's ultimately your responsibility, but you've asked them to take responsibility of it. But I'm noticing there's a nuance there of if, if we get emotionally connected to the to what's going on in there, it's almost like a feeling of taking back responsibility and ownership for that thing. But your team wisely said, Hey, we got this, we own this. Don't worry. So that's a yeah, fascinating well, aspect of ownership. I, I think that they know that if I'm owning the wrong things, it doesn't put me in a position to be successful with the rest of the team. Nice. So you knowing them, them knowing you has been a really uh, important key to your, your leadership journey with this team. And congratulations on that. So Daniel, I was with you a few years ago and we developed with your team. This was early on when we'd come up with this idea of, of a cult, developing a culture brand. And of course, that's the name of the podcast. And basically a culture brand is your way, your team's way of talking about how do we do results? How do we do team? And how, how do we show up individually in our character? And you've, you've selected your own culture brand. It's custom for you. No one else has selected the same three words you have for those three ideas. Talk to me a little bit about how culture brand over these last few years has, has helped your team. How do you use it? Some benefits. Let's dig into your use of culture brand. Yeah. So our culture brand is best unity and care. And, um, I think that that really kind of embodies who we are um, and who we have been. And when we put care in there, that was before uh, we were the world's most caring company or wanted to be the world's most caring company. So it, it kind of predates that um, that aspect. But I think that's always been in the, the DNA and the fabric of who Chick-fil-A is. Um, but, you know, when we talk about best, it's it's 
being your best is not being better than everybody else. Like being your best is you versus yourself and, and what your potential is. So, you know, my best and your best are going to be two different levels. But if we're if we're focused on being the best version of ourselves, not not just operationally and being fast and doing all this, but being the best teammate, being the best friend, being the best um best whatever it is that you're doing if you're focused on just continually getting better and being the best at, at those things it creates some um it creates some magic uh through people uh i think about it you know in in life like i can have the best impact if i'm focused on being the best dad and being the best husband um and so just trying to instill those things in our team that'll that'll carry them throughout their life and give them a platform throughout their life of influence um, is, is pretty fun. And, um, you know, moving into unity, uh, you know, we're all kind of in the restaurant world together. And, and I think we've all been in those situations where tensions can rise. Um, but unity really speaks to like building trust, getting to know each other, um, understanding what's going on, in life with each other and just building that camaraderie and that, that team spirit. Um, there's, there's obvious, uh, business impact there. That's, that's pretty, um, profound, but, uh, but there's also life impact there. You know, we, we, we want to be unified in what we do. Like nobody wants to be that one that is just trying to disrupt, uh, relationships everywhere in their life. Um, and then care just speaks to, you know, like I said, the, the, the way that we are, the way that we treat our customers, the way that we treat each other, um, the way that we, the way that we treat, I mean, it can even be the way that we treat equipment. Like we just show care through what we're doing, um, and everything we're doing. I love it. The, and I, I love how y'all have implemented it. You've really taken it to heart and, you know, the, the idea is this should cover every part of behavior, right? So one of the things we've noticed about, as you described best, it reminded me that the results part, that best word that y'all use provides higher focus. Where, where are we headed? As you described unity, it reminded me we've, we've noticed that that provides uh, higher influence or multiplication. Like you're not doing it alone, you're doing it together. And that's, that's more than one plus one. And and then, uh, and then that care is that personal ownership and, you know, even like caring for equipment. So, well, Daniel, I know that you're, you're very much engaged in with leaders in your area, whether it's in your market or, or other leaders around you. Um, how do you surround yourself? And what, what do you seek to glean from people who are, say, a couple of steps ahead of you? How do you learn from them? Well, I think it's important for all of us to, to be following people that are where we're going or where we want to be going. Um, you know, the Bible gives us a pretty good depiction of that with discipleship. Um, but, uh, you know, like tactically at Chick-fil-A, you know, just staying, staying connected to, to those guys and girls that have, that have uh, balanced the business well with good business results, but also have healthy families, um, you know, is, is one of the areas where I, I try to lean into and, and learn from those folks on what they're, they're doing. Um, you know, visiting, visiting stores inside and outside of, of Phoenix here. Um, cause there's, there's something we can learn from everybody. Uh, there's, there's something that every store has something that they do better than everybody else. 
uh, is what I've learned when I visit stores and really trying to learn how they, how they're doing that. Do you, is there an example of someone you've pursued and something you've learned from them recently? Yeah. So I think a, a couple guys, you talked about Bruce earlier when we went to India together, I, you know, I've been connected to Bruce for a long time and just uh, learning about him and his business. And, um, you know, I think he's done a really, really good job of, um, you know, family, you know, talking about the importance of family. Um, but then he's also had some high performing businesses for a long period of time as well. Um, other, other guy in the market, one, one of my great friends, Brandon Barrett is in the market. Um, and he's kind of the same way he's had, he's had great results, has great family and, um, really learned a lot about, about, um, uh, just kind of org charting and leadership structure and those types of things from him that, that helps, uh, give him the freedom of the weight of the business to be able to have that influence and impact. Those are some great operators. We, our team has enjoyed working with with them too for the last several years and Brandon actually for maybe six years, his team have been coaching some of his leaders. And so it's been, it's been interesting to see. They're both so different in their leadership. And actually, if you wanted to do a study about, to those of the listening out there, if you wanted to do a study about how to lead uh, two locations, each of them have two locations and they have completely different org structures for those two locations. So if you wanted to kind of do a, it's an interesting case study to see how each of them has their org chart set up, but I'm glad you, and you have them in your backyard there. You're able to just run across town or meet up. It's a good that y'all really, and I know that y'all are close and talk a lot about leadership. And I, I know actually they rely on you too, Daniel. They, they see you as a, as a mentor and they learn from you as well. Well, Daniel, that, you know, thinking about someone who's a couple of steps ahead of you, but what about someone who maybe they're listening to this podcast and they're, you know, they might feel like they're one or two steps behind you in sales or in, in their journey and their tenure in their location. What might you offer to someone who is about to go through, say, your last two years or your last little bit of, of growth? What advice might you offer them? I would tell them that it's, it's a journey, not a destination. Um, none of us have it figured out, uh, to stay encouraged, to make sure that, that those things that encourage your soul are, are, are non-negotiables in your life and, and staying encouraged when the waters get, get rocky. Um, and that you, you were, you were built for it. You were selected for it. You were built for it. And there's going to be, there's going to be seasons and, um, for for every tough season, there's even a better season ahead. Good advice. And so that really is as a mindset answer of no matter what you're going through, work on yourself, work on your own mindset, make sure that you're in a good place to handle whatever is coming away. So that's great, uh, great encouragement for someone out there. What, what might you say to someone who is struggling right now? They, they feel like they're, they're in a hole. They're not sure how they're going to dig their way or climb their way out. What encouragement might you offer them right now? I'd say don't do it alone. Re reach out to those people that you trust, that you know, um, and get some help. I mean, when you, 
when you reach out for help, you build relationship with people, you grow, you get stronger, um, and, and you'll get out of it. You know, we've had, I've had, I've had so many hard seasons where I tried to fight it alone and it's like, God will just keep you in the fire until you learn that you're not in this alone. Uh, you're, you're made to fight this with other people. So Daniel, um, what, what would be any, a recent example of a challenging time that you went through and now you're on the other side of it, but what would be an example of kind of one of those moments where you felt, um, like things were really challenging? Well, I'll go back. Um, it's not going to be recent, but I'll go back a little bit further. Um, so I remember when, um, my youngest was born and it was, it was just a really, really challenging season in the business. We didn't have good culture. Um, we didn't have enough staff. We had staff quitting because we were short staff of bad culture. So who wants to stay in that, in that scenario? And, um, and I remember the, you know, the, my daughter's birthday, December 17th, um, she was born in the morning and I was back that afternoon at work, just trying to get it figured out and not, not having my priorities where they should have been. And, uh, and that, that was the most challenging season of my life. Um, and that went on for, for a couple months until, until finally just, just really dove deep with some people, uh, through church and, um, just talked about how much we were struggling and needing help and, um, just had to get some encouragement from somewhere. Uh, it's, it's hard to be encouraged when you feel like you're, you're going in and getting beat up every day and then just coming home and thinking about it. Um, so, so just had to get connected to some people, um, both inside and outside of Chick-fil-A to, to gain some, gain some encouragement to get through that season and, and understand where, where we needed to head, you know, to get, get the culture better first so that people could stick around. And so you got that encouragement and things started looking up. It sounds like, uh, Life has changed quite a bit since then. How, how old is your youngest now? Uh, she'll be nine in December. Okay. All right. So yeah. congratulations yeah. for y'all. So Daniel, one of the, you know, you have visitors come in and talk to you. They want to see your organization. They hear about some of your successes. And from what I understand, uh, there's a couple of reasons they're coming to see you. One, you're in the top 5% on CEMs, but primarily it seems like most people are coming to see and learn more about your drive-through experience. You're in in the top of your area on on the drive-through. So tell us first of all, tell us where are you ranked right now in drive-through, and then kind of unpack maybe some best practices of how how you feel like you've gotten there. Gotcha. So for for the state, we we're, we're ranked number one in the state, um, and then we fluctuate between one and four for the West region. Um, when we look at it that way. So the, those are the two we look at. I don't know what the chain wide rank is where we're at right now, but those are the two that we follow. Um, and drive through for me, drive through is just a personal passion of mine. And that's why I think we've, we've always put, um, a lot of effort into the drive through. Uh, and we focus, we focus on two things. We focus on speed and accuracy. Um, you know, we feel like if somebody's going through the drive through, they want to get through fast and they want to get what they ordered. Um, 
And so that's not to say quality and some of these other things are not important. They're, they're extremely important, but we find that those two metrics drive the experience for a customer through the drive-through. Um, so we've never been shy to put the resources in drive-through. Um, I, I have found that whenever you invest into the drive-through that the ROI on it is pretty quick. Um, so I remember early on when IPOS was first getting started, um, just, just kind of like stepping back and saying, what we're, we're losing business right now because we don't have enough iPads. Like we just need to go buy a couple more iPads. Uh, and then the same thing when card readers came out you could start doing card payments out there. And so a lot of it is, is just small nuance things on, is there, is there ample equipment? You know, in the back of house, we always want more than enough henny pennies to, to fry the demand of chicken coming. So I, I kind of take that same thing to drive through. I want more than enough iPads because if one crashes or forgot to get charged or whatever, iPads should never be the excuse. Um, so, so just making sure that the drive through is well resourced and then constantly innovating in drive through. Uh, I can't tell you how many drive-through systems that we've implemented over the years. It seems like every few months we're, we're constantly tweaking something um, to, to make that experience quicker, better, um, you know, and drive more, drive more cars in traffic. What's a recent innovation that y'all found successful for drive-through? So um, one, one that we're like in the middle of right now is, um, we do a fairly good job of getting orders into the queue pretty quickly. Um, and, and systematically we have every order taker taking their own payments. Um, but we haven't had, uh, when the cars come around, they're all out of order and it's creating a little bit of bottleneck at the window, just trying to get, get all those. So we're, we're going to add another, um, person that just does the cash and sequences all those orders. Uh, in order to hopefully get our drive off rate down to like the 12 second, you know, 10 to 12 second range. Okay, good. And so again, that's a labor investment, adding a person, but you feel like that ROI will come back pretty quickly once you get that in place. So sounds like a great plan. Yeah. I mean, every, every time, every time we add a person, you know, it, it kind of pays for itself on average, like seven cars. So if you can get seven more cars through by adding a person, it, it kind of pays, pays for itself okay. on the labor side. So just a rule of thumb, adding a person, typically, if you add the right person in the right place, you get uh, seven more cars. That, that's your break even. I, I think you'll get more than that, but I think for us, it seems like seven is about the break even for adding that, okay. that labor in there. Yeah, good, good deal. Well, Daniel, one of the topics that comes up when I'm talking to operators is uh, around remodels and closings. And last year, I know um, you went through a closure and, and there were some things I think you learned during that time. You and I talked through that time, but on top of that, currently your, your neighbor is closed right now and you're getting some impact of quite a bit of impact actually from that. So, kind of mashing those two topics together, whether you're closed or your neighbor's closed, your neighbor Chick-fil-A is closed. What might be some, I don't know, things that you've learned through that or 
or even ideas of what you might have done differently if you had it to do over again. So let's just kind of explore that topic. Yeah. So when we closed, um, my whole thought going into the closure was um, I was pretty blown away with how Chick-fil-A takes care of an operator through a closure. Um, and so I wanted to try to replicate that for my team and as many people as I could. And so I thought, like, what are the things that are going to happen during the closure? And, and kind of the, the things I found is there's going to be some rest. There's going to be some freedom from responsibility, um, but there's also going to be work. And so I wanted to try to get those elements into my staff and um, my neighbor, Chris did, uh, you know, he supported us well during that, you know, hired on some of our people, um, hired on a lot of our people actually, and, and really supported us well so that, that, you know, none of my team members that wanted to work had to go without income or, or whatever that case may be. Um, and we found that we retained, um, I want to say all, but about four people, um, that we were that we were anticipating coming back that, that we only lost four that we, we kind of anticipate coming back. So, um, I was really pleased with that. Um, it, it took a lot of preparation, a lot of planning on the front end, making sure that we accrued enough money and, um, that kind of thing and, uh, stayed connected. You know, I remember doing a big scholarship dinner for all our scholarship winners while we were closed and just different things that we could do to stay connected during the closure. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, it's, he's been closed now for, oh gosh, this is, we're probably three and a half months in on this closure. And, uh, you know, we've seen a huge influx in, in volume, which has been awesome to see, uh, and, and just try to reciprocate and be a good neighbor to him and, um, take care of as many of his people as we could. And, um, you know, allow them the opportunity to stay with the brand, stay, earning income and uh, hopefully set him up with having that experienced staff come back uh, when he, when he tries to reopen here in the next month or two. Way to be a good neighbor and good job, Chris Gamble. I know Chris and um, have worked with him for several years. So good job, Chris, for being a good neighbor too. I know one of the, your, your practices, and I don't know if you know how you see this, whether it was a, a great result or not, but one of your intentional practices was to take some of your top leaders to go do kind of wellness checks, you know, just checking in on the team that you had sent to Chris's location. What were some of the the benefits of that or best practices there? Yeah. So we did, we did um, every week we were checking in with everybody, just really just letting them know that we didn't forget about them, that we knew they were there. I think anytime you get out of one, every operator is different. So you get out of one system and into another, there's going to be some rub, there's going to be some tension. Um, and that's just natural. That's going to happen. It doesn't matter how, how high performing or low performing a restaurant is. That's just going to happen. It's not an indictment on anybody. And, um, and so we just wanted to be there through that and help remind them like, Hey, this is a season. Um, you know, we, this, this is what they have found to be successful and we want to help them be successful in this season. Um, it may not be what we want to do, you know, three months from now when we open back up, but in this season, we're going to help them be successful and just kind of reframe that. So the, 
the frustrations can can take a back seat uh, during that time. Yeah, you can just imagine, you know, you you have these habits, right? You how you do things at your location, and they're they're having to go kind of wear the wrong size shoe for a while, and uh, you know, just kind of experience a little bit of, of of discomfort in being in a different environment. But they're not the home team, and so you do have to treat home team as the home team and realize that you're the you're the guest, you're the visitor. So it's good of your leaders to go and check on them and and keep in contact, but also help them. I like the word reframe. I use that a lot too. So just reframing the day and remembering, keeping perspective on what, what's really happening here. Good, good for your leaders. I know that uh, that was an intentionality on your part. Well, our, our leaders did a great job through that. And it's hard, it's hard to go into another business when you're used to having authority and responsibility and, and, um, flip the switch and just be supporting cast is, is a tough, tough role to play. Um, but, but I was proud of our guys and proud of Chris and his team. And, um, I think on both sides, I think they've done a good job on, on hosting us while we were closed and then, and then coming in and being supporting, supporting cast on our side, they've, they've done a really good job of that too. So you, your team got to kind of set the tone for that. Hopefully. Um, yeah, that's, that's good. So nice of y'all to, trade back and forth and help each other because at the end of the day, you're, you're really not competing. You're, you're serving your community and you're in different parts of Scottsdale there. So that, that's amazing. Although I did notice last time I was with Scott, he has a, a McLaren dealership like two blocks away. So I wonder um, how many McLarens, you know, come through their, their drive through there. It'd be uh, kind of fascinating. <laughs> we, we do have a, uh, uh, Lamborghini and a Ferrari dealership across the street. So okay. we see quite a few so, exotic cars. That's uh, that's Scottsdale, Arizona for you. Good deal. Yep. All right. So Daniel, if you're winning at drive through, like, like I hear you are, obviously you've developed um, some, not only trust within your team, because it, if, if you're, you know, if you're looking at speed and accuracy, those two are competing metrics, right? You're, trying to go faster, but you're also trying to be accurate and qualities in there too. Um, so there's trust within your team, but it sounds like you built a, some strong trust with your customer base. Um, what are some ideas about how to build trust with your customer? Um, just some maybe encouragement ideas, best practices there with building customer trust. I find a lot. I found it in my own organization and I see it a lot as a customer um, going to Chick-fil-A as a customer. I see it when I visit stores, but we're so geared towards that peak hour sometimes um, that we lose focus of other times a day. And so I think building trust is building that trust of that um, for us and drive through that, that speedy experience, no matter what time of day they're coming through. Um, so, you know, it, uh, if they're going to come through at nine o'clock in the morning, um, a lot of times I find nine o'clock is a tough speed of service time for a lot of, a lot of restaurants, but we want to make sure that they're still getting through in that, you know, three minute, two minute window, whatever it may be at nine o'clock, just like they are at 1230. Uh, cause I don't think a customer equates the time they're coming to Chick-fil-A with the level of speed that they're going to get. I love so, that. Yeah. I think that's, that's a big one. That's, that's so good. 
because they may be testing you out at those odd times and and you don't even know you're being tested but whether they realize it or not they're testing you and, and you have this opportunity to develop trust so what are some ways that you try to you know work on those those different times of the day and keeping it um you know speed up what are some common like as you know standard operating procedures that y'all use so um we've we've done a pretty good job of of having monitors around where you can see the length of the drive through line and uh we we have a little saying an empty drive through is a happy drive through and so what that does is that keeps us geared up um instead of like kicking up and and performing at a at a pace when the line gets long it's it's we're at a pace to keep the, the line empty um so so doing that we've um we've set up uh the just where the equipment is so many times ipads and things are in the back of the restaurant you know we have them in the front of the restaurant so that if if we do start to see cars stack up we can quickly send send another order taker outside you know even if it's for five or ten minutes at a time but just just really always having that focus on keeping the drive-through empty instead of waiting for it to stack up. So just even cutting down the steps it would take to go back to get an iPad and out front to get to the order, you've just eliminated some of that friction there. But what a beautiful picture of, yeah, keep the drive-through empty. That's the visual, that's the win is empty drive-through, happy drive-through. That's a great picture. Yeah. Yeah, which an empty drive-through these days is almost impossible, but it's it's more the mentality, <laughs> right? It's still the goal, and uh, that's yeah. what we're aiming for. But with a yeah, with the kind of pressure you've got these days with Chris's closure, that that would be very challenging. Well, Daniel, thanks for joining us on the show. I really appreciate you sharing just your journey, the some of the challenges you faced. I know people can. Hopefully there's people out there that can just be encouraged and identify with that, but also some of your best practices, people drive, you know, come all over the country to see uh, some of these things. Thank you for sharing those here. Maybe, maybe they want to go in and see it with their own eyes still, but I, I would imagine that some of these ideas would just be useful immediately upon hearing them as they talk with their team or share this podcast with some of their other leaders. So thanks for being on the show and sharing your story. Well, thanks for thanks for having me, Jay. I I uh, enjoyed. I always enjoy getting to spend spend time with you, and and I've learned so much from from listening some uh, to some of your previous episodes. And I think it's a good testimony of how we we truly are better together. And uh, it's it's about doing it together and and going a long way. I think this business has a long long way ahead of it, and and uh, we have to work together to get there. Good word. So leaders, you've heard Daniel talk about his culture brand and how he's he has this, his own custom uh, way he describes culture. Maybe you would like that for your own team. We can Our team is ready to, to work with you and help you do that and show you the five or six ways that culture brand can impact your business from hiring to coaching to development to leadership development to all of these different areas. So visit us at buildyourculturebrand.com for more information and to get a hold of us. Hey, if you're out there thinking about uh, getting some help from uh, some coaching, uh, I would recommend you looking into Jay and Leaders Q. We have found that his team has really helped my leaders take things to the next level. 
um, think at a different level uh, and, and continue to grow. So I would, I would highly recommend you uh, giving Jay and his team at Leaders Q a, a shot. Thank you for listening to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Visit our website at buildyourculturebrand.com for our free culture brand assessment. See you next time. We would like to note that Leaders Q serves individual owner-operators and their teams and is not affiliated, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with Chick-fil-A Incorporated.